Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. Helper, Holy Ghost, Advocate, Teacher, Counselor, Comforter. All of these names and several more can be found in the Bible and are used to describe one being, the Holy Spirit. We read in the Bible about it empowering disciples, providing wisdom, and praying on our behalf. We also read that it lives in us. It's all pretty amazing and maybe even a little intimidating. Most Christians will tell you that they want to be full of the Holy Spirit, yet many of those same will tell you that they're not sure what that means. So what does the Holy Spirit mean to us today? Is it still empowering God's children? Can we experience it for ourselves? We explore all of those questions and more in our current series, Manifest. Let's dive in together and continue the upward journey. Good morning, Upward. Great to see you this morning. You look so well rested today. Had that leisurely Sunday morning today. Uh, How many wish we could just do this every Saturday night? Just add an hour somehow. Wouldn't that be great? Did you enjoy that extra hour? What'd you do with that extra hour? Yeah. I I spent that extra hour trying to get that communion cup open. That was what I did. (laughs) Finally, I needed an extra hour in the day to get that plastic off the top. All right. Hope you've had a good day here today. I did have a guy in first service today. He had his communion cup, and he said, these are so hard to get open, I bring my pocket knife to Upward on communion Sunday. (laughs) And I'm just telling you, you might be a redneck if you open a communion cup with a pocket knife. (laughs) You might be. All right. Welcome. So good to have our online audience. Can we give a big hand of appreciation? We love our online crew. Thank you for being with us today. So glad you are all here. We're in a series called Manifest. We have the hardest time coming up with a title for this series, but we called it Manifest because it's about the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to manifest Jesus both to us and through us. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus real to us in a powerful way. And the Holy Spirit, He enables us to make Jesus real to other people in a powerful way. And I'm so thankful for the testimonies that I've been hearing. We've been praying at the end of these services, just saying, Holy Spirit, just fill me. Holy Spirit, just change me. And I had a precious lady stop me in between services uh, today, and she she came kind of skeptical about the whole thing, and that's fine. We love that. Love people who investigating truth. And she said, that blessing that you gave last week, she said, I cannot tell you what that has done in my life. You don't even know me, but I can't even tell you what that has done. So God's been doing some really good stuff in our lives together as we've studied the Holy Spirit and learned more about this uh, third person of the Trinity. I'm going to start with a statement this morning. Tell me if you agree with this or not. A single day can change your life. A single day can change your life. A, A single moment can totally change your life. I was talking Thursday night, preaching this message in our Thursday night service, and there was a a big guy sitting on the front row here, a great friend of mine who loves Jesus. And I was sharing this story, just on the moment as I saw him, I thought of this. There was a day that he didn't know Christ as his Savior, and his mother has attended church here for uh, probably 60, 70 years all her life. That's Irene, how long? 80 now? I, I probably shouldn't be calling out people's age from the stage now. But Irene right here will remember this day. Her son was sitting here Thursday night, and there was a Sunday morning around 2005, 2006. 
that Irene came right up here to this altar and she said, I want all my children to come to know Jesus Christ. And we prayed right here that day. While we were praying right here, the Holy Spirit went into their home in Marion, North Carolina. And they testified to this. At the very time we were praying right here, the Holy Spirit came down in their home and showed them that they needed Jesus Christ. And they bowed down in their living room and received Jesus, rededicated their lives to Jesus in that moment, and they've been joyfully serving Jesus ever since. Holy Spirit can change your life in a single day. If you've come to Jesus Christ and received Him as the Savior and Lord of your life, you know your life can change in a moment, in a single day. If you've ever stood up at an altar and looked across at your beloved husband-to-be or bride-to-be, and you said, I do. How many of you know the day you got married, your life changed forever? <laughs> It'd be great to hear some joyful amens right now saying, yeehaw, come on now, guys. You better save yourself right now and say yes. <laughs> Another great day when you hold that child, if you have children, the first time you look down into your child's eyes and you have that child, that day changes your life forever. <laughs> and all the parents of young children are like, oh, it sure did. It changed my life forever. After the fourth or fifth one, my life's really changed. Let me tell you, Pastor. Uh, they change your life forever. You have these life-changing days. Well, in the book of Acts chapter 2, the disciples of Jesus had one day that changed their lives forever. They were never the same after this one day and it's recorded for us in Acts chapter 2. Now, Acts is a great book. If you've never read the book of Acts, it's titled The Acts of the Apostles. Bible scholars believe it would be better titled The Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because that's really more what it's about. It's about what the Holy Spirit is doing through the church. And it's a, it's a narrative. It's a, it's a story of the early church being born and then going out and turning their world upside down for Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful narrative. The thing that bugged me about the book of Acts when I first read it, and if you've never read it before, you should jump into that book and read it. But you get near the end and the Apostle Paul is being put on trial and he makes this big appeal to Caesar. He said, I appeal to Caesar. And so they're taking him to Rome, and I'm like, oh, I never knew this was in the Bible. The big showdown between Paul and Caesar. I can't wait to read it. But as you read in the book of Acts, it just ends abruptly. That's it. No more story. It's like to be continued, and I really wish that had been in there, because I want to know what happened. The book of Acts is a powerful story. Now, there there are sections of the book of Acts that are just part of the story, and they're all certainly inspired and all wonderful and all belong there. But there are parts of the story that if you just took out a chapter and you didn't know any better, you wouldn't know you missed anything. I'm not suggesting we cut anything out of the Bible before you get upset with me. There's some chapters in the book of Acts that are just additions to the story, and you could just cut those chapters out, and the book would still work. Acts chapter 2 if you remove that from the story, the whole book wouldn't make sense. If you try to remove Acts chapter 2 from Acts, nothing makes sense. And if you ever tried, if you've never read the book of Acts, just try it. Read chapter 1 and then skip over to chapter 3 and you will know that you missed something big. 
Because in Acts chapter 1, the disciples are timid and afraid, and they don't have a clue what they're doing. In Acts chapter 3, they're preaching with boldness and courage and ready to lay their lives down, and they're burning up the world in a powerful way with the power of the Holy Spirit. Something happened between Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 3, and it was a big deal. In Acts chapter 1, the disciples are confused about their mission and confused about their focus. They're talking to Jesus, asking questions about political power when he was talking about Holy Spirit power. And they're really struggling with that. In Acts chapter 3, they are laser focused on the mission of taking the message, He is risen to the whole world. And there's no mistake about that. In Acts chapter 1, you have the church consisting of about 120 people meeting in one room in one house. If you jump over Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 3, you have thousands of people meeting in homes all over Jerusalem. The whole landscape changed from, from Acts 1 to Acts 3. What happened? What happened in that moment? A single day can change your life. When I was a young man, I was looking to go on the mission field and to go win people to Jesus. And I was looking to go on my first missions trip. I was in college. And uh, I went to the office of a man, a mentor, a missionary mentor of mine. His name was David Johnson. And we called him Brother Johnson out of respect. I said, Brother Johnson, help me decide which mission trip I should go on. I was going to go to Africa. I'd made up my mind I was going to go to Africa on a mission trip. He talked to me a while and he said, listen, Andy, I really feel like you ought to go to Honduras. I really just feel in my heart and in my spirit that God's sending you to Honduras on a mission trip. Why don't you go? I said, I'm in. Anything Brother Johnson said, I'm doing. Because he loves Jesus. So I went to Honduras. I loved it so much, I went back the next summer. I loved it so much, I went back the next summer. That third trip to Honduras, I went to a school and I was walking around and they needed teachers to teach English. And I went in and met with the principal little knowing that was my future mother-in-law. Because I married one of the teachers. I married her daughter. Not long ago, my wife and family, we were in Louisiana in that Bible college looking around the buildings, and I took them over to that corner office, and I said, we can't go in there, but look in there in that office. I told my kids, if it hadn't been for what happened in that office, you wouldn't be here today. <laughs> the disciples had a life-changing day in Acts chapter 2, that turned their world upside down and wound up turning the whole world upside down. What happened? Here's what happened. The disciples who had been inhabited by the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 became empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit powered them to do the work of Jesus Christ. Now let's jump in and see what God has to say about it. You ready to learn what happened in Acts chapter 2? Acts 2.1 says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Now the city was Jerusalem. They had obeyed the command of Jesus. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You need this power to go out and do ministry, so stay in Jerusalem. They obeyed. They went to a house that had an upper room in it, Get this, this is really a cool thought. Many Bible scholars believe that this upper room in Jerusalem was the very same room where Jesus had celebrated the Last Supper with the disciples. Many believe it's the same upper room. Wouldn't that be cool if that were true? I just think that'd be a great thing. But they're in Jerusalem. The Bible said it's the day of Pentecost. What does that mean? Penta means five 
Pentecosta means times 10. The word Pentecost means 50. Aren't you excited about that? You still don't know what it means. I'm going to tell you. The Feast of Pentecost was an Old Testament feast that God commanded the Jews to observe. And it always happened 50 days after the Passover. The Passover is the feast during which Jesus was crucified. So this day of Pentecost was about 50 days after the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. The feast of Pentecost pointed back to celebrate when God appeared on Mount Sinai to Moses and gave the law. What's really important for our purposes today about the feast of Pentecost is that God had this big, explosive, powerful day happen in Jerusalem when everybody was in town. Jerusalem at the Feast of Pentecost was kind of like Hendersonville during the Apple Festival. I saw some of you deflate right then saying, well, I would have stayed home. (laughs) Henderson County has what, about 115, 120,000 people living here. During Apple Festival, there are a quarter of a million people in Henderson County. Most of them are parked on Interstate 26. (laughs) I've been out there with all of them before. The whole idea here is that Jerusalem was jam-packed on that day with people from all over the world. So when God does His big thing, He does it in a way that the whole world can know about it. See, Jerusalem is really the center of the world geographically in that day. If you want to go from Africa to Asia, Jerusalem, from Africa to Europe, you'd go near Jerusalem. People were there from all over the world, and God did something powerful. What actually happened? Acts 2.2 says this, Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. First of all, they heard a powerful sound. They heard the sound of wind blowing through the room without necessarily the effects of wind. Can you imagine that? Hearing a tornado come through the building and nobody's hair is even messed up. It's the sound of wind. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, the Greek word for spirit, when we say Holy Spirit, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma. And pneuma means breath, wind, or spirit. God is literally breathing on them. What would it be like to be in a prayer meeting praying together and all of a sudden you hear God breathing? When God breathes, it is a rushing, mighty, powerful wind. Jesus, earlier in the book of John, said to the disciples, He said, receive the Holy Spirit. And it says, He breathed on them. It's literally breath and life from God. There's something spiritual about breath. You ever had anybody tell you when you're stressed to take a big cleansing breath? Do you know that actually works? If you just stop when you're stressed and go, you're going to feel better. There's something spiritual about breath. God is breathing into His church, into His disciples on the upper room. So they heard a powerful sound. Then they saw a powerful sight. Acts 2-3. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. All of a sudden, every believer in the room looks like a candle. That's how I picture it. 
Every believer around the room, there's a flame sitting on top of their head. Now, I'm not making this up. This is recorded in the book of Acts. This seems crazy. But God put on a show when He first poured out His power on the church. He made it unmistakable. They're in the room. Wind howls through the room. Rushing wind. They can even be heard outside in the city. We'll see that later. They look around and they see flames sitting on everybody's head. What in the world could that mean? Well, in the Old Testament, again and again, God is pictured by fire. He first revealed Himself to Abraham as a burning torch. Abraham saw God in the burning torch. Moses, Moses was called by God and separated by God to deliver the children of Israel from Egypt. Then Moses let his anger get the best of him. He killed an Egyptian and he had to go 40 years out into the desert. He was getting his heart right with God. And when God wanted to get Moses' attention, what did he do? He set a bush on fire. The burning bush. Moses saw a bush that was burning but was not consumed. I want to tell you, those two pictures, the flaming torch and the burning bush, are pictures of New Testament Christians who have been filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That everywhere you go, you are a burning torch for Jesus Christ. And a burning bush that people can look at you and say, I see the glory of God. Moses, when he saw the burning bush, he said, I've got to turn aside and check this out. That means when you and I are filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, people will look at us and say, man, i got to check something out. What do they have that, that I need? You know, the Bible says again and again and again in the book of Acts, you'll see it. The preachers didn't give altar calls. Lost people came up and said, what do we need to do to be saved? Nobody was saying, please, we're going to play another song and beg you to come down. They were rushing up saying, you tell us what we need to do. We're in. The fire of God attracts people. You know fire is attractive. You ever sat around a campfire? You want to get a bunch of kids around, a bunch of teenagers? Start a fire. They'll gather around and stare into the fire. I've sat around, now I'm not much into camping. I'll sit around the fire with you for a while, and then I'm going back to the hotel somewhere. Because I like to sleep in a bed. Imagine that. (laughs) But you just sit around the fire, and there's something attractive about that. When God sets his people on fire, we're attractive. People want to come and experience the fire that God has poured out in our own lives. So they heard a powerful sound, they saw a powerful sight. Then they began to share a powerful story. Oh, this is where some people want to check out on it, but uh, just hang on. This is good. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then something that people consider strange happened. And it is strange if you've never experienced this. They began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Why in the world? What is that all about? Preacher, I like upward pretty good. You guys sing kind of normal. When you start talking about that speaking in tongue stuff, I get a little freaked out. Hang with me. In two weeks, we're going to do a whole sermon just about that to help you with that, okay? I'll never forget, I had a conversation with my neighbor one time. We had known each other and talked. And I don't go telling everybody I'm a pastor. 
Because when you tell them you're a pastor, the conversation changes. They clean up really fast. You know, what's really embarrassing for them is when they've been cussing wide open for about 15 minutes and say, now what do you do? (laughs) That's when I just want to make something up, you know. My neighbor came to me once, and we'd known each other for a long time and talked. We'd become friends, and I didn't, he didn't know, and he found out I was a pastor. And then he searched around. You know, you can find out things on the Internet now. He said, are you one of those Pentecostals? I said, yeah. He said, aren't those the people that speak in tongues? I said, yeah. He said, you mean you pray in the Spirit in tongues? I said, yes. And he said, but you look so normal. So if you're struggling with that right now, just hang on and just hear God out on this one, okay? Just relax. Nobody's going to pressure you to do that. Nobody's going to look down upon you if you don't do that. I just want us to hear what God's saying. That's just a part of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's not the whole thing. And if I'm not careful, I'm going to start preaching two weeks' message today. They began speaking in other languages. Why do you think that might be necessary? Well, what I just told you is that people from all over the known world were right there in Jerusalem at that moment. Jews who had been dispersed, who Hebrew was not their first language, were in the city, and they needed to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And God gave the disciples the supernatural ability to speak in languages they had never learned. That still happens, by the way, in the world today. I know a great preacher. Some of you would know his name. I heard him preach for years. And once we were in a meeting, Alex and I were there, and he was preaching. And he spoke Spanish for a while to some uh, Hispanic people in the congregation, in the audience. And I thought, man, he really speaks great Spanish. And then he told the story. You see, he had never learned to speak Spanish. He'd gone to Mexico on a mission trip, and as most aspiring missionaries do, you learn three or four phrases, you know, to get by on. Where's the bathroom? I need a doctor. Where's the bacon? That's important. Man, you travel, you better know that. But he said, I was going to preach at a church, and I had a translator coming with me, and it was just a small church. He went to preach, and his translator didn't show up. And he told the guys, he said, well, obviously I can't preach. Let me just get up, and I'll say the few phrases that I know, and then we'll let brother so-and-so preach. But he got up there, and he said two or three phrases in Spanish. Then he said, I started saying a little more, and a little more. And a little more, and he said, before long, I had preached for 40 minutes in Spanish. And they understood it, and people came to Jesus. And he still speaks Spanish. God does some big stuff, let me just tell you. God can do that in our day. And that's not just relegated off to the weird church across town. That's for the body of Christ. So guess what happens? They begin to speak in languages they don't understand. And I'll just bet you it was weird for them at first. 
I just bet you none of them knew exactly all that God was doing. Now it says this, at that time, verse 5, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. They heard the loud noise. They heard the wind. They came running, and they heard them. These guys got out of the room. One of the clearest marks of a church that is filled with the Holy Spirit is when they go out of the church. Historically, Pentecostals probably have been way too much about what happens in the church and way too little about what happens out there. You want to get the Holy Spirit in church, people get out. Because the Holy Spirit is drawn to people that don't know Jesus. And He draws you to people that don't know Jesus. Can I get an amen? Tell you the difference. One of the big things about Upward that we are thankful for is we're not about just gathering people in this room. Now, it's cool to have a room full. Isn't it great to have all these chairs back in here and see some faces we hadn't seen for a while? That's a lot of fun. Last weekend, and this is to say, it's, it's celebrate, but uh, last weekend, we had the most people we've ever had on a non-holiday weekend, meaning other than Easter or Christmas, last weekend, more people were at Upward over the weekend than we've ever had before. And that is great. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. People say if you preach on the Holy Spirit and this kind of stuff, you run them away. No, people are hungry to learn more about this kind of thing. But we're not about that. We're about getting you into the community with the message of Jesus. And that's exactly what happened here. At that time, i got to keep preaching here. There were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. They heard the noise. Everybody came. And they heard their own languages spoken by the believers. These were known languages on planet earth that people actually spoke. And they heard the believers speaking in their language. Verse 7 said, they were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are from Galilee. Now I'm going to translate that for you. Galilean equal rednecks. Does anybody just love Jesus? That when he came to earth, he went to Galilee? He could have made it right here in Hendersonville, couldn't he? Let me translate this to Henderson County. These guys are a bunch of rednecks. That redneck guy over there is speaking Egyptian. What is going on? That's exactly what happened. A guy who was uneducated and unlearned, as most of the Galileans were, is now speaking in the native language of some of these people. And they're saying, what's going on? They're redneck. Now, redneck is a language. I speak it fluently. I've got education, but I still I speak some redneck. Do you? Anybody here? I heard a guy say the other day, he said, you say tomato, I say tomato. No. In redneck, it's mater. How many said mater before you came here to church today? Can I see your... You might be. (laughs) They're rushing together, and they're hearing Egyptian, Arabic. There are 15 different people groups listed, probably more there, but 15 different groups are there And they say, we hear them, verse 8, speaking in our language. Verse 11, it lists 15 different groups. You'll see them. And in verse 11, it says, we hear people speaking in our own languages, 
about the wonderful things God has done. You just imagine you're in a nation or you're in a place where the people don't speak your language at all. And all of a sudden, somebody comes up speaking to you in perfect English, telling you how good Jesus is. And you know they don't have that natural ability to speak that language. It would get your attention. That's the opening of this gift of speaking in other languages. What is that all about? Well, God loves the world enough to gift His church with the ability to speak other people's language. The Holy Spirit will do this. He will help you make the gospel of Jesus Christ available and accessible to people who are far from God. Amen? The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not so that we can have a spiritual badge of honor and say, look at me, I'm a notch up from the rest of y'all. If anybody's ever done that to you and gotten that kind of spiritual pride by saying, I speak in tongues, that makes me a level three Christian. Just forget that. The Holy Spirit gives His gifts so that you can manifest Jesus to people who need Him. Amen? Something powerful as well about Christianity. Christianity transcends culture. Other, quote, religions do not. The religion of Islam demands that you adapt its culture even as a government structure. Did you know the Quran, Islam's most holy book, this is true, Islamic theology teaches that the Quran is not really the Quran once it's translated into another language from Arabic. The Quran is only officially the inspired Quran in Arabic. But if you translate it into another language, it's not as inspired. Now, I'm not here to knock other religions. I'm not here to knock anybody's faith. But I'm here to tell you this. Christianity, by the gift of the Holy Spirit, was translated into the language that the people could speak and hear. It transcends culture. Christianity does not call you to be less of your culture to come to Jesus. You take someone from Africa. In the African continent, the belief in the spirit world is high. If you're an African, you believe in the spirit world. Then you come over to so-called educated people in the United States, and they'll say our religion is science. And we don't believe in the, that there is a spiritual world. That religion, if you will takes an African and makes him less of an African. Christianity goes in and said, yes, there is a spirit world. There's not a spirit in every tree and every rock, but there are evil spirits that oppose you. And there is the Holy Spirit that fights on your behalf. Christianity doesn't make you less of an American. It makes you a better American. It doesn't make you less of who you are. It makes you better in your nationality, because Christianity transcends culture. I've been everywhere. This works all over the world. You can give the simple gospel of Jesus Christ in any nation of the world, and people come to Jesus, because that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Now, pastor, let me say this. Book of Genesis. This is something very powerful that happened that I want you to catch. In the book of Genesis, man decided they were going to build an altar to humanity. Right? You've heard of the Tower of Babel? You know what Babel means? Confusion. That's why we say they babble on. Some of you may be thinking that thought right now. He's babbling on. <laughs> Babel means an uncertain sound that you can't understand. Man decided to build a tower to the heavens to exalt themselves above God. And God said, I will confuse their language. And their languages were confused and they were scattered. On the day of Pentecost, in the birthday of the New Testament church, God reversed that curse of Babel and brought humanity back together and said, now I'll give the gift of language so my word can be communicated and people can be united around that. Amen? Preacher, is that still real today? Yes, it is. Preacher, can I still receive that for myself? Yes, you can. The Apostle Peter stood up. Now, I love this. Peter was a mess, wasn't he? A hot mess, yeah. I'm getting some help here. Wasn't just a mess. He's a hot mess. Peter was a mess. Always spoke before he thought. Big mouth. How many can identify with old Peter today? Thank God he's in the Bible. Thank God he's there. I always thought he was right. In the end, he really let Jesus and the disciples down in a big way. When Jesus needed him most, he wasn't there. He denied even knowing him right before Jesus was crucified. The Bible said he went away and hid and wept bitterly. When Jesus rose from the dead... The message to the women was this. Go tell the disciples and Peter what you've seen. Why do you think it was there? Number one, Peter needed his name called out because he was no longer really a disciple. He had renounced it. There's some tough love right there. But Jesus saw to it that he was reached out to. Jesus met him on the beach. I love the story. They're on the beach and Jesus is cooking fish on a fire. How would you like to eat breakfast Jesus had cooked for you? Yeah. Fish and bread and <laughs> you know what else was there? Yeah, I know. I don't even have to tell y'all anymore. It's there. Bacon was there. <laughs> it definitely wasn't. It definitely wasn't. I, I just know it could not have been. They would not have at the time. They would never have eaten bacon. Another great passage in the book of Acts to thank God for is the day bacon became legal. That's also in the book of Acts. Yeah. Way off topic now. Peter was the one chosen by God to give the first sermon in the New Testament church. And he proclaimed to them this. He told them how to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, each of you, Acts 2.38 must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent, turn to God, be baptized in water. If you don't know Jesus Christ, what you need to do is repent of your sin and repent of your stubbornness and repent of your own way. And I say that humbly because I have to do it still. I have to repent. But repent and turn to God and then be baptized. 
Did you see the beautiful picture we had last week of these beautiful children being baptized? I don't know if you saw it, but little Bella, who got up there and was baptized, she had a struggle getting in and out of the tank. But when she came up out of that water, I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit was on her face. Did you see the joy? If you weren't here, it was just a beautiful picture. Peter said, this is what you do. You repent of your sins baptized in water, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, some people say, well, that was for another day. Peter goes on in verse 39 to say, this promise is to you, to your children, and to all those far away. Not only in physical distance, but in time. This promise is for you throughout generations to all who've been called by the Lord our God. Let me just tell you this. The gift of the Holy Spirit is not a Pentecostal experience. It's a Christian experience. It's not a denominational thing. Say, preacher, I can't do that. I'm Baptist. Oh, yes, you can. I'm Presbyterian. Oh, yes, you can. Holy Spirit loves to feel Presbyterians. He loves to feel Lutherans. We don't have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit in the Pentecostal church. It's for Christians. Now, i got to tell you. I've been in Henderson County 24 years. When I first came here, it's kind of like Baptists over here, Pentecostals over here. Near the twain shall meet. Baptists, real big on the word. Pentecostals, we're big on the experience. They're preaching the word. We're woohoo! They needed us and we needed them. I'm going to tell you, this one pastor up here, I don't ever criticize my Baptist brothers and sisters. They've done more for Jesus Christ in Henderson County than you can imagine. And I thank God for every Baptist church across this county. And I praise God for what they're doing, and we're on the same team. Not everybody would agree with this message. But I tell you, a whole lot would. Many times over my 24 years in Henderson County, I'll get a call from a pastor in a non-Pentecostal denomination that say, can I have lunch? I need to talk to you about something. And often I know what it is. They'll say, I was praying the other day. Something weird happened. I was praying and got really deep. And I said some words in a foreign language. Like book of Acts, baby. See, there's a new word, and I love it. It's called, and, and you might be one of these. I've already told you you might be a redneck, but you might be a Bapticostal. You just might be. I see people looking over at their husband and wife saying, is that true? Am I Bapticostal now? I love, here's what, it, it's been word and power. And what God is doing is taking word and power, and he's saying word and power together. Powerful word of God with the demonstration of the Holy Spirit along with it. One without the other will get you into error. Word and power. Amen? They say, preacher, I'm all about that Holy Spirit. I just don't want to speak in tongues. Yes, you do. You just don't know it yet. You do. Two weeks, we're going to talk about it. Next week, we're going to talk about how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in your spirit. And that's going to be really good. We're going to learn that together. 
And then we're going to talk about specifically speaking spiritual languages the week after that. Clear up some misconceptions. And uh, we're going to see God do some great things. Heard a story not long ago about a man who was traveling from Europe to the United States. He was really poor. And um, he was coming to the United States to start a new life, land of opportunity. And he was leaving behind his family in Europe. He was going to start a business, go to work, and eventually start a business and bring his family over. So many dreams of so many immigrants who came to the United States, saw the Statue of Liberty, and built a great life. Our country's built on stories like that. Those are powerful stories. This man uh, had very little money. He spent a big chunk of his savings just on the ticket. And he needed to save the rest of it to pay rent and to get his start in the United States. So he knew he didn't have enough money to buy food on the journey over. So he, he took a big hoop of cheese and a canteen he could keep refilling with water. And all the way across the Atlantic to the United States, he ate cheese from that hoop and drank water out of the canteen. And he would walk by the dining room and he would see passengers in there and they'd be eating roast beef. And he would look in there and think, oh, it would be so nice. He said, I'm, gonna, I'm living for my dreams and one day I'm going to be able to take a cruise and I'm going to be able to sit in the dining room and eat roast beef. But for now, I'm making sacrifices to make my dream come true. They got to the United States and as he was leaving, he was in line to get off the ship and he ran into one of the dining room stewards and he began to talk to the steward. And the steward said, you know, I never saw you the whole cruise. I was in there all the time. I never saw you in the dining room. And the guy said, let me just tell you my story. Um, I don't have very much money. He said, I, I brought a hoop of cheese and I ate that all the way over here so I'd have money to start my life in the United States. And the steward said, sir, the food was paid for. He said, you never had any idea, but that was included with your ticket. Can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit and His power is included in your salvation. It's part of the deal. Now, you'll still get to heaven. But, oh, it's going to be so good for some of y'all to get in the dining room and to really experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? We're going to find that together. Would you stand with me, please? Would you just, uh, I'm going to pray right now. If you would, lift your hands. If you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to. But if you've got your hands lifted, you might be a bad Pentecostal. <laughs> Jesus, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I invite you to do what you want to in my life. However you want, empower me with that experience that the disciples experienced in Acts chapter 2. That the gifts of the Holy Spirit may be activated in my life to make you known to my world. I ask you for that in Jesus' name, by faith. Amen. Amen. One of the key indicators that the Holy Spirit is filling your life is a sensitivity to needs around you. One of the things is I've preached this series over the past few weeks is I've just been seeing a growing sensitivity in my heart to people around me and their needs and a whole lot of just praying for people even without them knowing it, being in a place and just saying, God, be with that woman. There's a need there. Be with that guy over here. 
I just want to bless you with that today. I just bless you with a growing sensitivity to the needs that are around you. As the Holy Spirit fills your life with power, you're going to sense needs in a way like never before. And God's going to give you the power to meet those needs. I bless you with that today. Now go in the Holy Spirit's power. I commission you to go and take Jesus into all your world. Amen. Amen. Love y'all so much. See you next week. So thankful for you being here. Be blessed. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.